Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to The Spilled Tea, your place for the latest on pop culture, entertainment news, and LGBT issues. Now, here are your hosts. Hello, everyone. Welcome to a special edition of Dispilled Tea. Um, I'll be your host, David, and I have with me someone who I've been talking to for a while, and then just one day I decided, mm, I want to talk to him live. And without further ado, here's Tony Tripoli. Hi, Tony. Hey. I'm so uh, so glad to be here, and I'm really you know honored that you asked. That's really nice. So if I get nervous, I'm sorry. I um, you're gonna be my first celebrity host without my co-host Doug. Usually, Doug co-hosts with me, but he's got like four other shows that he does. Literally, like four, three or four. So he's not able to help me out here, but I think I can manage. I'm just gonna be a little nervous, uh, but. That's right. I'm, you know what? I know it's your first time, but you sound awfully experienced. So I think it's going to be just oh, thank fine. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> so um, the reason why I wanted to um, interview you is because, and I know a lot of people don't realize this. I think they realized it maybe a couple, couple of years ago, maybe last year. So you used to work with the diva, Joan Rivers, and That's you correct. worked with her in the capacity that you were a writer on Fashion Police. And I think a lot of people don't realize that there was a writing team on there. Am I correct? Absolutely. Part of the, uh, you know, illusion of the show with Joan mm-hmm. was, you know, mm-hmm. Joan wanted it to be like a cocktail party over at her house with, you know, mm-hmm. a couple of friends sitting around dishing on, you know, what everyone had worn that week or at, you know, an award mm-hmm. show the night before. And it was supposed to feel loosey-goosey and unrehearsed. And mm-hmm. so while Joan worked so hard on her jokes and, mm-hmm. and had uh, everything in the teleprompter, and you know, even when we go to commercial break, she was going over the jokes for the next segment. And, you know, she really wanted it to look... You know, extemporaneous, just like being at, you know, a party with friends. And, and so it's always such a thrill for me when people find out that, you know, I was a writer for her and they're like, what? Mm-hmm. I didn't know she had writers. And you go, yeah. well, I'm good, I guess. That's, yeah. <laughs> I was floored. And when the reason why this all came up is the writer's strike. And the news was East Fashion Police is going to be hit because uh, – of the writer's strike and they're going to be on hiatus. I'm like, wait, writer's strike? What writer's strike? What does that have to do with fashion plays? I was completely confused. (laughs) I was so lost. And then I was like, oh, well, who's who's one of these writers? I'm looking it up and I'm looking Tony. First of all, I see the name Tony Trippioli and I'm like, wait a minute, an Italian man. Hello. Got my interest. Yes. And then you're, you're fucking gorgeous. And I'm like, holy shit. He's funny and he's gorgeous? Mama told me you can only be one or the other. So I was very confused. I was really confused by the whole thing. 
Um, you're very sweet. <laughs> you know, Joan but, was funny um, and gorgeous. Yes, yes, but but she's a girl, so I wasn't attracted yeah. to her. Um, I, I I may have wrote David Michael Tripoli a couple times in a notebook with a heart over the eyes. I can't confirm or deny that, though. Um, Not a problem. I love the way you say it. My my name is actually pronounced Tripoli, but I like how you say Tripoli. That's kind of cool. Though. No, I like Tripoli. I'm changing exotic. your name. I'm changing okay. your name. Sorry. Um, Look, that's hardly the worst thing I've ever been called. <laughs> so... One of the reasons why I wanted you on the show, first of all, I wanted to show the world who you are, um, because not going to lie, I'm a little sad. Um, found out via Twitter when you replied to me that you're no longer on the show, which is kind of sucky, but whatever, everything happens for a reason, right? Um, yeah, it's sad. It's you know, how do you you know do the show without Joan? You know what I mean? Like I worked with yeah. her. Uh, you know, on the show, just you know, I mean, I was on the phone with her almost every day, and then she. Mm-hmm. I'll tell you the schedule of the show to work. It's actually kind of interesting. Um, okay. We would on Monday morning. We would all come into the office, uh, the the mm-hmm. production staff, and we would go over all the pictures of what everyone had worn over you know the weekend and uh, you know stuff like that, and we would build like a loose version of the show. We knew who our guest was going to be. <laughs> and so we would, you know, say, what's a fun game that we could come up to play with the guests? And, now, you know, wait, we would this, say, well, this we... Is the office in, this is the office in L.A., right? Because Joan lived in New York. Correct. Okay, okay. That is correct. This was in Los Angeles, mm-hmm. and Joan wasn't, wouldn't be there for that. And so okay. we sort of build a very loose first draft of what the show is going to be. We know we're going to start with five musty looks, and we would go, here's mm-hmm. like six or eight that we're thinking you know, right now would be good, knowing that Monday, Tuesday, new things might come that are better. And, you know, you want to have a good variety of young, you know, your Miley types and your Vanessa Hudgens types and your Zadea. Mm-hmm. And then you also yep. would want to do your Joan, Joan Collins and your kooky Julie Andrews and your old ladies in weird outfits. You know what I mean? Your uh, <laughs> the bottom yeah. parters, right? Yeah. You try to have a yeah. variety, and you wanted to have some that were, like, super high fashion and some that were just on the street. So it's just, that's, you know, you're basically trying to see what you've got and you're putting your cards in order. Then um, mm-hmm. Melissa would get that list, and then she would weigh in on that, and, you know, she'd be involved in that. And then Tuesday, Tuesday morning, we would try to get the show, like, I'd say, like, 85 90% locked down. And mm-hmm. then um, Tuesday, I would spend writing jokes the whole day. And I, it was about, you know, 10, 11 hours of just writing jokes on the usually about 20 pictures that we had in the show. Uh, mm-hmm. Interview questions for the guests, you know, because all of Joan's questions needed to be funny as well as being right. quizzical, you know. And so then on uh, Wednesday, Joan would fly in from New York mm-hmm. and, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, and she would usually land in LA around two o'clock in the afternoon, one thirty, two o'clock. And I would meet her at Melissa's house. And Melissa and I would walk Joan through the book of the show. And this was the first time that Joan was seeing any of these pictures. Mm-hmm. And then we would, uh, you know, Joan and I would spend the rest of that evening, right, you know, with all the jokes that I had written and that other people that submitted on the show had written. 
Um, and mm-hmm. then we would kind of pick the ones we liked and then rewrite a lot of stuff and put them into a new order. And, I, you know, I'd stay with her till around 11 or midnight on Wednesday night. Wow. Then Joan would go to bed and take a nap. Now, mind you, she had flown mm-hmm. in from New York that day. She would go take a nap and then meet me at the E Studios at 3.30 in the morning. And meanwhile, so people, she's, she is 80 years old, okay? Keep yes, that in mind. That's right. Many, My many God. times we were 81. <clears throat> that's right. <laughs> and so, and so, uh, so I'd meet her there at 3.30 in the morning, uh, Thursday morning, and we would, you know, she would start hair and makeup. And, you know, 81 years old, look, it's not, it's not a quick hair and makeup. It's not, no. you know, yeah. just a lipstick and a little eyeliner. Like, it, they would do the first layer, then they would put her in the kiln. And you know what I mean? Like, there was a process to it. But um, right. we were going over jokes the entire time while she's in the makeup chair. And then we would get everything sort of locked. She would finish her makeup. And then we would have a rehearsal with the teleprompter. And that was last minute changes. And she would say things like, this joke needs to have one word less. It needs one, one less word to be twice as funny. Like, there, she had a rhythm and a, and a math, wow. you know, to her jokes. And I go, okay, what if it was this? And yes, that's so much better, you know. Or, or she, it was just really, really an amazing process. <laughs> and then we walked to the set about 8.30 in the morning. And oh then Fashion Fashion Police was taping at 8.30 a.m. on Thursday morning. And then we would finish, you know, about 11.30 in the morning. And it would air then the next night, Friday night. So it was a wow. crazy schedule. Now, mind you, Joan was also doing stand-up in New York almost yeah. every Tuesday night. And then Friday and Saturday nights all around the country. Plus, we would then shoot In Bed with Joan. And yeah. we would do four episodes of In Bed with Joan in one shooting day, usually on a Thursday after fashion show. So then her day would be from 3 in the morning, and we'd shoot until 9 or 10 o'clock at night. You know, then there was the reality show, which did four seasons, and that was a ton of shooting. So this woman had a work ethic just unlike anything you've ever seen. She just She would sleep. You know, live on the plane when she could. She would grab 10 minutes in the back of a limousine when she could. She would close her eyes, you know, when they were finishing her hair and makeup and just get, you know, five, 10 minutes everywhere. And that, and she loved being busy. She was so grateful to be so popular and so in demand at her age. Um, wow. She was great at, you know, I mean, I, I can't even begin to tell you how much I learned from her because I was just this little stand-up comic that was writing for a, a small little show at E uh, with mm-hmm. Lynette. And she, you know, changed my life overnight. She just, she's really responsible for everything, you know. So I, I owe her so much. I was going to ask, how'd you get your start? And and um, how did Joan discover you? I was going to ask that, actually. I was, uh, you know, I always made my living as like a singer and, and I would sing, you know, on cruise ships and industrials. And I was, you know, I was Aladdin for three years for Disneyland, just singing, mm-hmm. you know, one song over and over all, you know, three years. <laughs> um, and, you know, it was fun. And those, but, you know, you get to an age where it's like you're 31 years old and I'm, you know, live in LA, but I'm gone nine or 10 months of a year working somewhere mm-hmm. else. Like you're never going to, you know, have roots and have a life. Um, mm-hmm. So I stopped performing and uh, opened a kid's gymnastics school similar to a gymboree. Um So I was teaching okay. mommy and me classes, and I 
owned half the, the location, the studio, and did mm-hmm. that for five years, and it was so much fun. And, again, it's right here in Hollywood. So, you know, mm-hmm. my students were Steve Carell and his daughter. Oh. And, you know, I had all these what Desperate Housewives uh, started right. during those years. And the guy that played Mike the Plumber, uh, you know, mm-hmm. was one of our that was one of our dads in, in the class. And after uh, the, the day after that show premiered, he was never able to come back to class again because it would have just been oh, that like, dinks. So it was, was his wife that nice came guy. in with the kid. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And you know, and so we just had really cool Hollywood type people that were, you know, really great to me. And so I did it for five years and then I you know, we decided that I wanted to get back into some kind of television, and I had been friends with Kathy Griffin for about mm-hmm. almost 10 years at that point. And so my mm-hmm. roommate at the time uh, and I were on the first season of Kathy's reality show, Life on the D-List. And mm-hmm. so from that, I thought, well, I'm going to be on this little reality show on Bravo. This is the time to, you know, try to make it happen on TV. And, and so after that, I did a show called Fashion House, which was a, a soap opera with Morgan Fairchild and Bo Derek that was on uh, oh movies. yes, I remember. Yeah, with, I didn't see it, Taylor but I remember Kimmy. it. Yeah, yeah. Taylor Kinney okay. was the sexy male lead. Now he's on Chicago Fire, and he's Lady Gaga's boyfriend. Um, but yeah, he's a great group is. of people. Yeah. And then I got asked to do stand up in some uh, benefit for gay youth, and mm-hmm. I've never done stand up, but I'd always been funny and friends with comics and. You know, I'd be hanging out with Kathy and say something funny, and she'd say, oh, I'm going to use that on stage. And I'd say, yeah, of course. I don't, yeah, of course. And it was thrilling to see Kathy do jokes that I had. You know what I mean? Like, I loved it. And so they asked mm-hmm. me to do stand-up for this charity event, and my mother all my life had been telling me I should do stand-up, and I really just wasn't interested. It's incredibly difficult. It's very competitive. Yeah. So I said, okay, I'll do it one night for charity. It'll make my mother happy. And I got on stage and did 12 <laughs> minutes. I walked off stage 12 minutes later and was like, this is going to be the rest of my life. That was the greatest 12 minutes. Like, it was this amazing feeling of doing what you're supposed to do. I just loved it. Mm-hmm. And so I just started doing stand-up for free all over town, any place that would let me. And wow. uh, over the years, the executive producers of The Soup over at E, um, they knew of my show. stand-up. And, yeah, mm-hmm. me too. I loved it with all these different hosts. And so they were fans mm-hmm. of my stand-up, and they were starting a girl version called The Dish uh, with Danielle Fischel. And um, they asked if I would be a, a joke writer for it. And I loved television mm-hmm. and said, okay, I'll try it. And they really gave me my start in television. So for wow. that job, you know, I had to watch I watched 60 hours a week of television shows to find I, you, crazy clips. Like, I can't complain because so that's hard. my normal. <laughs> yeah, but you know what? I was having, you know, you assigned shows that you have to, so it wasn't all great uh, stuff that you would be watching anyway. But uh, during that time is when RuPaul's Drag Race started. And I yeah. was like, I'm taking that show. That's my show. Mm-hmm. And let me tell you, that made my life much easier because we had clips from RuPaul's Drag Race every single week and they were amazing. So. I love you, Ru. You made my life really easy for a couple of years. Um, and so I uh, was working at E, and uh, Joan was the first comedian I had ever gone to see at paid with my own money. When I was 16 years old in Phoenix, Arizona, 
I went, I got one ticket to see her do stand up and sat up in the balcony. And, you know, I mean, she was it for me. When I was a little kid, I knew her album, What Becomes a Semi Legend Most, by heart. Mm-hmm. And, you know, when other kids were lip syncing the radio, I was singing Joan's jokes. Like, I loved her. <laughs> and so um, I went and saw her documentary, A Piece of Work on a Monday night, and I was at work at the dish the next day on a Tuesday. I was talking with the other writers about Jones' documentary and how amazing it was. And my phone rang, and it was the publicity department at E, and they said, hey, we're bringing that fashion police, Joan Rivers. She doesn't like any of the commercials, and she told us to find three funny gay guys and have them come to her house tomorrow and write new commercials. Do you want to do it? And I was like, oh, my God, I was just talking about this minute. And so I went, and I stayed up all night preparing, and I had a million jokes, and I was ready, and I was so excited. And I go in, and she's like, what do you guys have? And, of course, she was so nice and formal, and we're in the dining room, and she's making us eat, and, you know, exactly uh, what you want wow. rivers to be. Yeah. And she's treating us like we're doing her this huge favor. And she no was way. the most gracious, wonderful Grant, she was such a Jewish grandmother, you know. She literally was like, you're so thin, let me get you something to eat. And so we start writing jokes, and the other two guys don't seem to have anything prepared, and they don't seem to be saying anything, and I'm just blah, 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 oh. blah, going on the jokes. And Joan's laughing, so I think it's great. And uh, after about 10 minutes, she goes, I need to talk to you in the kitchen. And as I stand to walk in the kitchen, I realize she is going to tell me, I'm being obnoxious. I'm not letting anyone else talk. I'm not, you know, be too dirty and too pushy, and I need to take it down a notch. And I'm dying inside. Like, my childhood hero is going to yell at me and tell me that I suck. And we get in the kitchen, and she turns around, and she puts her little bubbly finger in my face, and she goes, you are my new head writer. You're the head writer. Of <gasps> wow. And just I, like I that. Like, what? I said, I've written on one television show. They'll never let me be head writer. She said, it's done. Don't worry. And when Joan said something was done, it was done. By the time I got home wow. from Melissa's house that night, he had already called, mm-hmm. and they said, we have a contract for you to come and sign to be head of the wow. So Joan totally made it happen, literally changed my life overnight. I know people say that. It literally did happen overnight. She was the greatest. Wow. That's an amazing story. Yeah. Like you can't even you can't even write something that amazing. You know what I mean? Mm. Exactly. It's really like one of those old Hollywood stories of you know the yeah. girl getting discovered sitting at the, the fountain at Schwab. You know, I just happened yeah. to get asked because a friend of mine is what who they called first, and he was working the next day and couldn't do it, and said you can call Tony Tripoli. He's funny. He oh. you know he'd probably be good. So after I went and Joan changed my life, I sent that guy the biggest uh, box of chocolate-covered strawberries <laughs> with the nicest thing, you know, you. because really it all happened because he was working on a TV show and couldn't get away that, on such short notice. That's the reason. Why. I mean, it's funny how life works. You just never know. Yeah. You, you never know. Now, where did you originally come from? Like, so... Are you from the East Coast, the West Coast? Tell me a little bit about, like, your background. Yeah, I grew up in, in Phoenix, Arizona, and mm-hmm. which is a great place. It's incredibly ethnically diverse. 
Um, really? I really know. Yeah, I did. It's such a red Republican state, but yeah, Phoenix itself is really very hip and progressive. And you know, I didn't go to like a fancy private school. I went to public schools, and the schools I went to were like thirty or forty percent white. And the hmm. rest of the schools were black kids and Hispanic kids and Native American kids and Asian kids and, you know, kids from India. Like, I never, I never was aware of racism, truly, until I got into high school. And my father, my parents divorced when I was really little. So I went mm-hmm. to, uh, my dad moved to Atlanta, Georgia. And when I went mm-hmm. to visit him, I was aware of blatant cruel racism for the first time. That was the first time I heard someone get yelled ugly things at them just because of, you know, their their ethnicity. Now, I was the right. earliest little boy ever. So, I, you know, since the time I was four, they had been calling me sissy and fag and, you know, all those names. But I had never heard someone, you know, get called <laughs> a racial slur that I was aware of. Right. Um, Oh, I'm really grateful. What a great way to grow up. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, sometimes growing up, and, and it's almost like, I don't want to say naive. I don't know what the word is, but growing up not knowing that stuff for most of your life and then having to have to experience it later in life, it yeah. it sets you up for something better. Do you know what I mean? Like, I, I don't know how to explain it. I, I just well, think that I was, you're absolutely right. That's 13, a great way to grow up. I was mm-hmm. 13 years old before I knew that was something that you would make fun of people for. And right. By, you know, by 13, I, you know, I had already learned how to be a person, learned mm-hmm. how society could work yep. without any yep. of that. So, right. you know, it's sort of like when this whole idea of racism sort of got introduced into my universe, I was already like, well, this is totally unnecessary. You know, most people are brought up in it. And they don't know any other mm-hmm. way. They're mm-hmm. just taught to exactly. think that this color mm-hmm. person is not as good or they're this or mm-hmm. they're that. But right. when you don't grow up connecting any, you know, any faces to certain colors, it starts getting introduced at a later time. You're like, well, that's absurd. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Although I will yeah. say black people are late a lot. That one is true. Well, we have this thing called CPT, Colored People Time. I'm very aware. So, I am very aware. Yeah. I date a lot of black guys. And so believe me, I've not been to dinner on time. I've not been on time for a dinner reservation in a very long time. Well, I don't know if you know this, but part of the civil <laughs> rights movement, it's in there that we have that CPT time. So, I mean, if you're going to blame anybody, blame Martin Luther King because he put it in there. So. Right. It's he had a dream that he it. would only be yeah. 10 minutes late. Ten is not good. I, I mean, that's too early. I'm thinking thirty minutes. <laughs> okay, I mean, let's just keep yeah. it real. If we're gonna be honest, I, believe me, Although, I know. I've been standing at the Red Lobster waiting many, many nights. Although, let's just—I'm gonna say full disclosure. My black card is gonna go so quickly after I say this. I like being early. Yeah. I know it's awful. No, it's, my my grandfather was half black, half white, so it's the white in me that wants to like be early all the time. <laughs> I, um, I, I feel I, so bad. I do think that, I do think black people are allowed to be early. I mean, it's not. I don't think we have any you know, legislation 
that requires, you know, but, um, but yeah, I do, you know, I find, look, in my stand-up and then obviously working with Joan, Ray mm-hmm. was right there in front. It, it mm-hmm. really, you know, being gay and race issues are the main things that I talk about just because I just kind of feel like the second that we stop talking about it, that's when things are going to get worse. Mm-hmm. I agree. You know? I agree. And, you know, let's just keep it real. You white people, you have this beautiful hair that you can just run your fingers through. You can wake <laughs> up, rub your fingers through your hair, and go. Put on some outfit. We got to pick our fro. We got kinks. Some of us got braids. We got nappy hair. We got like 15 minutes just to comb through our head, you know? So I understand. That's I do, I understand. I, I, I don't, don't know our struggle, you know? I Well, I'm aware. Again, I do have to say I'm a little <laughs> more educated than most of my Caucasian brothers. I've been yeah. using cream relaxer yeah. on my hair since high school, so believe me, mm-hmm. I have run my kitchen many, many times. Okay. And, you know, I do have, I have a, a real big ass. So I'm, you know, you look I like you have, I have a big a, butt. No, I have a big, gigantic Sicilian <laughs> ass, and so I, I can't say that I really know, you know, the black experience. I don't want to say that, mm-hmm. but I definitely know how hard it is to buy jeans. I definitely can tell yeah. you that. And, and I mean, our jeans know fit like one day. And you know, I don't like getting my hair wet either. So we See? do have more in common than we have, than might think. Yeah, and I mean, our jeans fit one day, and then the next day we got Kim Kardashian ass. So it's like, oh, yeah. now I can't fit in any of my jeans. I just bought these last week. So, but it's interesting how how culturally that it's become so you know desirable. It's such a mm. good thing now to have a big ass. Um, yeah, and which, and it's not always been that way. This is like a Absolutely. recent thing. <laughs> Look, I'm 45 because, years old, so trust me, I spent most of my life, you know, trying to diminish and hide everything. And now it's like, oh, you need to you need to walk in the room backwards. Don't be an idiot. Yeah. Especially being white and having a big butt. Oh, you might as well just, uh, you're like the, the Bentley of gays. You know what I mean? It's like, holy crap. <laughs> white guy with a big butt. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's. I wanted to tell you this because um, I I just feel like I should tell you. So I don't know if you're aware, but I wrote a book. Yeah. And congratulations. Thank you. Part of the genesis behind the book is that when I was younger. I was so confused about my own sexuality. I hung out with a lot of girls. I knew that I was gay, but then I thought, maybe I want to be a chick. And so I thought about it, and then it went out in and out of my head. And then I saw this episode on TV of my favorite show. The name of the show was The Joan Rivers Show. Back wow. in the, it was either 91 or 92, and she had this guest on. The guest name was Tula. And Tula, oh, yeah. was, Tula talking, was gorgeous. Tula was talking about how she's a Bond girl, how she's um, been in Playboy. 
And Joan says, and don't you have something else to tell us? She says, yes, I was born a man. I wish someone had a camera on me when, when I heard her say that. My jaw dropped. And I thought, that's me. That's what I want to do. And so I started researching it and found out it cost a ton of money. And then I thought more about it and I said, maybe that's not something I want to do then. But maybe that's something I want to write about. Because nobody's writing about the romantic side of transsexuals. It was called transsexual at the time. So then that's when I got the idea to maybe make a fictional love triangle. And the book was born. And I'm sorry, but I have to thank Joan for that because if it wasn't for Joan Rivers, I wouldn't know anything about anything about transgender, transsexual, trans anything. So I've always so wonderful. That's really I've really cool. Wanted I wanted to meet Tula, her and thank her. Tula was a big deal, and I don't know what happened was. to her. I think I think she married some she really did. wealthy millionaire mm-hmm. and like mm-hmm. got out of entertainment, got out of the scene. Yeah. Like their deal was you'll be my beautiful bride, but you've got to be more incognito. You're just going to be my wife. And she was like, let me look at that castle. Okay, fine. <laughs> well, she did move back to England and she now is, she uses the name Carol and oh, she okay. fought for English transgendered people. So that's what she did. But yeah, she's still married wow. to that guy. And she was yeah, a pioneer, man. She really she was. was go- she reminded me of Carol Alt. That's all I kept thinking. I was like, "Is this Carol Alt? Like, what's going on here?" And yeah. if any and you youngsters don't know who Carol Alt is, Google her. <sighs> Damn youngsters. And um, sorry. Google Tula. T U L A. Yes, she was a hot. She's that. amazing. She she and Joan changed my life. That's how they changed my life. And if you read well, my I'm, book, and she's in, Joan is in part of the acknowledgement education. And this was before she passed away, so I wasn't trying to get, you know, like, kudos and, and trying to ride that wave. This no. was back in August 2011. This is the God's honest truth. Those two changed my life. So That's so nice. I'm, I'm to know pretty that. sure... Joan is probably listening right now, so I, yeah. you know, I'm confident that she is touched and, and so glad. You know, that talk show was her favorite thing she ever did in her whole career. That and the QVC. Yeah. Uh, I mean, obviously, it was always about live stand-up. That was right. you know, her favorite. But she just, she goes, she just, the, the platform of having that daytime talk show, being able to have yeah. guests on, people like Tula, you know, mm-hmm. and she was like, you just can't believe the things that people would walk up and say had affected them or had changed them. And, and she really was, you know, so proud of that. She acted like all she cared about was the jokes, but she was mm-hmm. an incredibly smart person. And she was also an incredibly curious person. She really loved talking to people, finding out their stories and what their deal was and and, you know, she really? was genuinely interested. Yeah. And that was, so she just loved having guests. She was such a great interviewer because she was really genuinely curious. She really wanted to know just for her, even if no one else had been listening. Wow. That's, um, the, the, you know, I'm going to be 100% honest again. There was a point in Fashion Police where Joan got so nasty. 
for a couple of months, I had to tune it out, and I can't remember exactly when it was. It was sure. one joke she said, and I was like, <gasps> nope, can't do it. And then I tuned back in, and then I, I watched until her last episode. But um, it's so funny because when it first started, I was watching because I'm a huge E fan. I've been watching E since Steve Kameko was on it. And, um, right. I know, that was a long time ago, girl, and I just showed my age. Um, but I really would tell people, you know, they're like, what are you doing right now watching Fashion Police? What the hell is Fashion Police? I'm like, ah, oh, it's on E. Because I used to watch Cindy Crawford's House of Style. I used to watch Fashion yeah. Style. So when Joan Rivers came on, in every, every award show, I would watch the pre-show because Joan would ask, who are you wearing? And I always right. wanted to know who, who people were wearing. So I love the fact that your addition to the show and, and you and her together made this a show that I could proudly talk about at work. Oh, did you guys see Fashion Police? Oh, yeah, it was so funny, right? It, it was just amazing that I was able to to share that with people instead of like, mm, I, I, I wasn't watching anything. Don't worry about it, you know. Yeah. So. Yeah, I know that, I mean, people often, you know, look, now that Joan is gone, you know, everyone's like, oh, I loved it. She was a saint. She was so great. But, you know, there were people that would get upset at jokes, mm-hmm. you know, that we were doing. And, you know, that was sort of by design. You know, Joan was like, mm-hmm. there, you know, there should be one joke every show where we go too far. Yeah. Um, now was that and, on purpose? Yeah, yeah. And okay, you know, it wasn't it wasn't anything. We weren't doing it just intentionally to be shocking or to be rude. It was always stuff mm-hmm. that we thought was funny. Um, mm-hmm. And but um, but you know, there were there were always jokes that we would fight for. And let me tell you, there were a lot of jokes that never aired because the network would just I say, was "Sorry, that. yeah." Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, every week there'd be two or three jokes that they were like, mm-mm, not happening. And we okay. would fight for it, and I would fight for them, and some battles we could win, and, and some they would like, nope, that's just beyond what we're going to do at E. It's just it's too hard, you know. And um, I understand that. You know, they're a big network. They have other shows, and they're a business. And, you know, it, it's a very – the reason that Joan wanted to push, go too far every week, and this is important, is, you know, people have gotten so sensitive, and political correctness is mm-hmm. such that people now, Facebook and Twitter, people have made a hobby of being offended by things. And mm-hmm. useless and doesn't make the world better. If you're upset about something – then write a letter to your congressman or go down and volunteer with the charity that will change it or volunteer at the phone bank and get the law pushed through. But don't feel like well, I posted on my Twitter that the comic said something was too far and so now I'm done. Because you didn't, you didn't mm-hmm. do anything. Right. And, and so, you know, sort of because of that, she just really wanted to remind people and, and to go – you know, too far. And and so that people would, would understand that comedians are supposed to say things that not everyone thinks are funny. And you can laugh at the ones that you think are funny, and you can not laugh at the ones that you don't think are funny, 
but you don't get to try to take someone's jaw away from them or if anybody's fired. You know, that's, right. that's their job. Um, mm-hmm. and, I, and I agree with her. You know, you, again, it's the stuff that if we don't talk about this stuff, and her way of talking about it was joking about it, but right. you know, Joan used to say, if you don't joke about this stuff, then it's just true and sad and terrible. Yeah, I mean, that's exactly You know? I mean, what's more terrible than a woman, you know, murdering her child? Yeah. Right? You know what I mean? Yeah. That's why Joan Joan did Casey Anthony jokes. Not because she was saying more people should kill their children. To the contrary, she was saying, we need to never forget what this monster did. Yeah. That's a... I didn't even think of it that way. You know what I mean? Yeah. It was um, just, you know, everything leaves the national conversation so quickly now. The stories only live for 24, 36 hours. And I know. Do you know what I mean? Like, isn't it amazing that no one's, no one's talking about Ferguson anymore? Nobody. <laughs> like, it's Nobody. crazy. That was, it was the biggest story. And then it just was like, okay, we've moved on. Now we're talking about the Golden Globes. Well, yeah, I know. That's really know. fucked up. Yeah, and so it is. Thank God you have, you know, the people that worked on the movie Selma, which keep making it part mm-hmm. of the national conversation. And then you have comics right. like Chris Rock and Joan and all these other comics that are still going to do jokes about it, so that people are reminded this shit is happening and this shit, you know, it's not just Ain't going away because because it was mm-hmm. November. Yeah. Right. Yeah, everybody seemingly moved on from it. Um, I was going to ask you this question. So <laughs> she and I were right in line with some of the celebrities that we didn't like. Like, I, 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 don't, I don't care. She's probably not even listening. But me and my co-host agree, too. We really don't have a, a taste for Leah Michelle, And um, I do like Gwyneth, but sometimes I don't. I, I guess I'm, like, back and forth with her. Were her, the people that she didn't like on air, was that something you came up with, she came up with, a mutual thing? Like, how did, how did that come about? And, and she hated Jillian Anderson. I know that because I saw them on the red carpet. So that was... Uh, who? Jillian Anderson. Who was the last? Jillian Anderson from X-Files? Yeah. Oh, wow. That one I didn't I know. saw them. Um, they were on the um, red carpet, and Joan asked her, you know, Jillian Anderson, you know, who are you wearing? And she said something really flipped to Joan, and Joan turned the camera. She goes, what a bitch. And I just remember that. I was like, oh, oh my God, I can't believe it. Wow. That's when she was only yeah, doing the Joan, red carpet. Joan, um, I can tell you, I mean, that's a really, really good question, because Joan didn't just rec- recklessly decide to dislike people and she Mm -hmm. wouldn't go well you know uh mine is super super popular right now so i'm just gonna make Mm -hmm. her hater because i can get jokes out of it you know like she loved rihanna she was a huge rihanna oh yeah i could tell she did she thought rihanna brought fashion back to rock and roll Mm -hmm. in a way that no one had done since madonna back in early madonna you know what i mean she loved rihanna um and, you know, and, and, you know, loves Katy Perry, but also was like, you know, you're also a 30-year-old woman dressed like a cupcake, like, turn it down. You yeah. know, so she, yeah. um, 
And um, and Gwen Stefani, my God, she thought she just had the greatest style. So, you know, Joan really was a fan of a lot of people. Um, Angelina Jolie, she just was like, there's no one else that gives you movie star every single time they hit a red carpet. And to Joan, mm-hmm. if you're going on a red carpet, you're working. If you yeah. want to go to work, then you can go in the back entrance. You don't, no, one, no one has to walk the red carpet. You can get in right. without doing the press line. But if you're going to do it, then that's, you're at work. You're promoting whatever show you're on or movie you're in. And the way to do that is by dressing up and playing the game and going down the line mm-hmm. and talking to all the reporters and saying who designed your dress and who made your jewelry. And, you know, that's the job nowadays. Exactly. And, uh, you know, whenever Joan always wanted to hear, whenever she got on an airplane, the first thing she would do was – Say to the flight attendants, who's been on and who was mean and who was nice. And really? Let me t- yes, sir. Let me tell you something. The flight Ooh. attendants are not keeping secrets. Oh. They, they are giving me download. So Joan knew everybody in town who was shitty on planes and who was nice and who was nasty to the stewardesses and who was good, <sighs> who was cunty to other passengers and wouldn't sign autographs and who was great. You know, uh... she knew the people. And she also was always asking anyone that ever met any of our celebrity guests or anyone that worked on a show, she was always like, who have you worked with that was shitty to you or that you saw the <sighs> show? And really? so... There are a lot of stories about Leah Michelle mm-hmm. not being nice to people. I have not been there to witness any of them firsthand, but I have heard them from enough different sources that I do mm-hmm. believe there must be something, some bit of truth to it. Christina Aguilera, right. when she was doing The Voice, everyone in town had knew someone that worked on The Voice because it's a huge show. And yeah. Everybody had a story about her being rotten to people. And so, you know, when everything. So that made those people major targets for us on Fashion Police. Because Joan was like, look, Leah Michelle, you did one Broadway show, and then you got cast in this huge TV show that made you a huge star overnight. You won the lottery. You need to be nice to every fucking person that you see for the yep. rest of your life, because you could yep. be bagging groceries, you know, mm-hmm. back in Philadelphia, but you really right. lucked out. And a super talented girl, obviously, and very pretty right. and hot body. And, you know, well, so there's a, no, I think, but we must tell her body is slamming. It's just, it, there's something so icy and unlike about her, unlikable about right. her sometimes, but it's hard to see how beautiful she is. And so yeah, that was why, you know, Joan really it. thought, mm-hmm. you know, Joan really was like, I want this bitch to know that grandma knows that she's not being nice to people. And if she mm-hmm. starts hearing it from enough different sources, she mm-hmm. might change her tune or her people might sit her down and be like, you have this bad with Yeah, right. You know, she was, Joan was personally offended by Kristen Stewart and her constant scowl when she's standing there in a $35,000 one-of-a-kind mm-hmm. gown at With the Cannes Film Festival. Yeah, and, mm-hmm. and then she's scowling and frowning like yep. she'd rather be anywhere else. And Joan was like, right. then fucking go there. 
Go home exactly. and do a crossword puzzle if you don't want to be here. Right. There's a <laughs> lot of ladies that would trade space with you and put that dress exactly. on and smile. So that was the reason that Joan really, you know, really hit these girls hard was because she so was like. What she was doing was bullying the bullies, basically. She was, she was basically Dexter. We call it fashion yeah. police, but really it was Hollywood police. Joan yeah. was, you know, finding out who in Hollywood was being an ass and needed mm-hmm. to, you know, fucking sit down for a minute. And Joan yeah. went in the naughty chair and gave him a timeout. And yeah. that was really the point. And then, you know, most of the stuff was oh, just God. jokes. She, there's right. Sarah Jessica Parker walks on water to Joan. That woman could do no wrong. Joan knows wow. her son. Joan oh. loved Sarah Jessica. And yet the oh. meanest jokes we did were about her having a horse face and her being so ugly. I know, and her, you know, I know. And I never Sarah saw Jessica, that. I, I didn't. Sarah Jessica yeah. was at the funeral, and I wanted to tell <gasps> you, Sarah Jessica Parker came up to me after the funeral, and, you know, I had glasses on because I was crying, obviously, and it was, you know, a horrible yeah. kind of thing. And she comes up to me and goes, you're uh, the writer of the fashion police, right? So I don't know who told her who I was because we've never met. Uh-oh. And I'm not, you know. And so I said, yeah. And she said, this is my son. I think her son's name is James. And Matthew yeah. Broderick was there. And she said, um, this is my son, James. And all of us that worked on Fashion Police that were at the funeral wore Joan Ranger badges. Yep. The okay. And um, James had a Joan Ranger badge because oh. he had written, he wrote Joan a letter. And I feel like he's like 10 years old. He's really yeah, young, he is. but he had written a letter to Joan, which sent his mother, Sarah Jessica Parker, it got from Sarah Jessica's agent to Joan's agent. Joan got the letter. Just saying, right. I love your show. I watch you every Friday night. I'm a Joan Ranger. And he sent a photograph of him saluting the TV. And so Aww. Joan, yeah, Joan took one of her Joan Ranger badges and had it covered in Swarovski crystals. And sent it to him and, and said, thank you for your letter, and I'm deputizing you as an official Joan Ranger, and you have the sparkliest badge of any Joan Ranger in the world. So James was wearing his little sparkly Joan Ranger badge at the funeral, and Sarah Jessica said, James, this is the man that writes um, Aunt Joan's jokes. And he says, oh, wow. You work with Joan. You know, I love that show. Mom lets me stay late to watch that show every Friday. And Sarah Jessica said, she took my hand and she was I said, thank you because you've brought so much joy to our family. And, and I, said, I said, well, I can assure you you're the only celebrity that feels that way. But thank yeah. you very much. And she gave me this hug. And it's like she gave me a mom hug. Like, not a Hollywood bullshit hug, but, like, you know, like, when a mom yeah. hugs you and they, like, yeah. hug you to the bone. She squeezed yeah. me with her teensy little arms, and then she whispered in my ear, you're going to need someone to talk to, so you call me. <sighs> now, I don't no. know if thinks I'm going to call her, because you notice she didn't give me a number. But still, <laughs> it was a lovely, <laughs> lovely thought. And so Sarah Jessica... Uh, you know, she's from heaven as far as I'm concerned. 
But yeah, Joan loved her. And Sarah Jessica knew that getting the shit kicked out of you by Joan Rivers meant you were a big star. She loved it. Yeah. Uh, I just love Carrie. I've always identified with Carrie Bradshaw. So that's the best story you can tell me. I have everything to do with Sex in the City. I have the box DVD. I have everything. I kind of thought Joan liked her, but I wasn't 100% sure. But thank you for saying that. That show was as much about the shoes and the fashion. Yeah. They were a character in the show. And Mm -hmm. Joan... Joan loved fashion so much that she loved that show for doing that. You know, she loved mm. that young girls grew up wanting to be Carrie Bradshaw and have a closet full of shoes. Because right. to Joan, right. every little should grow, girl should grow up wanting a closet full of shoes and right. cool clothes. They didn't have to be expensive designer clothes. Joan, don't kid yourself, honey. Joan was the queen of high-low. Joan loved her top shop and her H&M. And Joan had pieces from Target sitting there right next to Cavalli. So, wow. Yes, honey. She mixed that up. She was amazing. And, you, you know, she had the best, the best. And I remember this because, like I said, I watched that show. Um, she had one of the best wardrobes on daytime TV during the, uh, the Joan Rivers show. She always had these great – do you remember when um, – um, Meryl's place was big. She always yes. had like an Amanda Woodward power suit without the mini skirt, you know. Right. And it was always like gorgeous, and she always had her hair perfect. That well, short, you know, page boy Bob. Oh, her okay. dresser, dresser is a man named Carrie Fetman, and mm-hmm. he's brilliant and amazing and kind and nice, and had been with her for twenty something years. Dalton mm-hmm. dresses the girls on The Bachelor. So he can do trashy skanky, and then he can do sophisticated, you know, put Joan in a Chanel suit. So this guy, he's super talented. Uh, Adele Uh, Klaas was her makeup artist for over Mm -hmm. 20 years. Adele did her makeup every single day. Mm -hmm. A true artist, just really, really incredible. Raymond Rosario did Joan's hair. Uh, A lot of that hair wasn't attached at the scalp. But mm-hmm. he did it, and he colored it every two weeks. We'd be writing jokes, and he'd be in your head, and he would paint that shit in, <laughs> the towel over her shoulders, and we'd keep writing jokes, and he'd come get her and be like, got to rent. And she didn't put that. And then he would color the her clip-ins. He colored mm-hmm. when he colored her hair. He used the same chemical so that it would be a true, true match. Right. Wow. So, um, yeah, so she had little clip, you know, pieces clipped in, to, you know, right. for some more hair to play I remember with. the but pink. Yes, and then she would spin colors and pieces. She loved that. But I will tell you, she never got any of those clothes for free. She said she was never what? sample size, never sample size, and no designers ever, ever, ever sent her stuff. So everything what? that you saw her wear, she was, she was yeah. So she's sitting After in our fashion all the police. stuff that she's done for these designers, are you kidding me? It's remarkable, isn't it? Now, if she was going to, if she was going to, you know, uh, work the red carpet for the Golden Globes back when she was doing yeah. that, like for yeah. me, then I'm sure they could get a dress 
lent to her because she's going to talk oh, yeah. about it a lot. But, mm-hmm. it, but for Fashion Police, none of that. That's all, uh, those were all her clothes. Because she's just sitting there. She's not talking about her own fashion. Well, and the designers felt like you're making fun of us as much as you're praising us. You know what I mean? Like You're mm. making, you know, Lon Vaughn. We shit on Lon Vaughn and Prada. But then every once in a while, Julianne Moore would wear some Lon Vaughn that was gorgeous, and Joan would love it. Well, mm-hmm. what's Lon Vaughn going to do? Go, okay, we were lending you this, but now you said you didn't like my beat, and I, so now we're pulling it. You know, no one would send Joan stuff because they were afraid she might diss them. Oh, God. Get a thicker yeah. skin, and, folks. And, you know, she also said that when she was out in public, mm-hmm. it, you know, there were a lot of years where no celebrities would come and talk to her. And mm. I mean, privately, when Joan would just run into them, like, at a party or at a, you know, where there weren't paparazzi there, you know, there were a lot of stars that would glare at her from across the room. But then there were other celebrities, like Sarah Jessica, would see her and would run over and hug her and say, oh, my God, you were brutal to me last night. I can't believe what you about said about it. me. And she would laugh yeah. at J-Lo. Honey, we interviewed J-Lo, uh, and J-Lo said to her, all right, Joan, just as you're interviewing me today, that don't mean I can't be worse dressed next week. Like, <laughs> don't go easy on me now that we're friends. Yeah. J-Lo understands. The most important thing is just being talked about. Right. Right. And you're just talking about their outfits. You're not talking about their personalities. That's right. Very rarely. Very rarely were we talking about who the person really is. Most of it was just what they were wearing or what characters they played or how they portrayed themselves in the media. Kim Cattrall is not really an old slut. Of course. No. We're going to do old slut jokes because she was famously, you know, that character. Right. And she probably didn't care. No. Um, Again, I loved it. I was just thinking, um, what is what is Tony doing now? Now that he's, you know, kind of moved away from Yeah, that. it's been, um, it's been, you know, look, I got to tell you, Joan was so incredible to me. And she made... You know, she uh, kept very busy. So for four mm-hmm. and a half years, I was uh, the head writer, senior producer at Fashion Police. I was a senior producer on Joe Melissa, Joe Knows Best, as well as being a character on the show. I was, you know, a producer for uh, In Bed with Joan. I wrote Joan's tweet. I wrote Joan's oh, wow. act. I was Joan's opening act for stand-up on the road a lot. Um, like, it was... There were, and then there were projects in the pipeline, you know. And every time Joan got asked to do, like tonight, she was on Celebrity Apprentice. They shot that last last summer. You know, mm-hmm. I wrote jokes that she did on the Celebrity Apprentice. You know, when any anytime you needed Joan, she made them hire me. And wow. she didn't have to be that loyal to me, but she was. Um, and there was mm-hmm. another writer that she worked with a lot named Larry Ambrose, who is just the most brilliant, hilarious, funny, wonderful person. And, you know, Larry and I really were, you know, sort of her, her go-tos for that stuff. And she would make them hire me, and she would say, how much are you paying him? And they'd tell her, and she goes, no, he needs more. Like, she not only was getting me jobs, she was being my agent. She was wonderful. Wow. And 
And, you know, one Thursday morning, Larry called me and woke me up and said, have you seen the news? And I said, no, what? And he says, Joan's in the hospital. And I, I remember in that moment, I said to him, I said, it's over, isn't it? And he said, well, they're saying that she may have had a cardiac arrest or it may have been a respiratory arrest and she's in the hospital, but it seems like she's stable and improving. So, you know, I'm sure she'll be fine. And I just, you know, like you just know in your gut something. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, mm-hmm. Oh my God, I'm. I don't think I'm ever gonna, you know, talk to her again. Like I, and, you know, I, and you want to be brave and run a brave face and whatever. But I just, I don't know. And so, um, you know, I went to New York, and I have to say, Melissa was so wonderful, and and you know, gave me time with her in the hospital, and and I, you know, sat there and held Joe's hand and would tell her, I was telling her all the star celebrities that were tweeting at her, you know, because mm-hmm. um, like Courtney Love tweeted, Joan, wow. you know, I've got so much more crazy shit to do. You can't go yet. And Katy Perry <laughs> tweeted, uh, what's the point, what's the point of me wearing all this crazy crap if you're not here to make fun of it? And Lena Dunham, <laughs> you know, tweeted, Joan, you've got so many more fat jokes in you. Please don't go. Like people that she was the meanest to, yeah. Rihanna tweeted like three times. You know, like what? it was really, I know, and I just know Joan knew. I know she heard me. I know she heard all this when we were telling her this stuff in the hospital. And and um, it's such a great gift to get to have that time to sort of say goodbyes to someone because so mm-hmm. often people are just gone in an instant and wish yeah. you had told them. And so, you know, I really owe Melissa a lot for giving me the opportunity to say everything that I could think of to say to Joan. And, you know, Joan, uh, one of my first, I had been working with her for about two weeks, and I was saying goodbye at the end of the day, and, and you know, bye. And everyone, there was a lot of kisses on the cheek with the hair and makeup and her assistance. You know, we all were really a great little family. And I said goodbye, and I, you know, kind of kissed, you know, kind of went to kiss her on the cheek, but it wasn't. And Joan stopped me, and she goes, wait a minute. She goes, you don't understand how we do things in this family. We kiss goodbye for real and say I love you. And I was like, oh, okay. And so Joan gave me a big old kiss on the cheek, a big hug, and she said, I love you. And I said, I love you too. And she goes, you never know. This could be the last time we see each other. And... That was how Joan lived her life, though. It wasn't dark and depressing. It was really sweet. It was just like Joan didn't want to leave anyone behind without telling them how much she appreciated them or whatever. And so she was always over-tipping and always gushing on people and always, you know, anytime anyone that worked on Fashion Police, anytime their mother came to the set to watch a taping, Joan Mm -hmm. would pull that mother aside and it wouldn't matter if it was the garbage man for the evening. Joan would go on and on about how the only reason the show happens is because you're a child and they are the hardest worker here and the reason that Joan makes it to the air every week. And she would say to these moms, you know, just how wonderful their kids are and you should be so proud of him. And it didn't matter if she had no idea who this person even was. She just loved making people feel good with the power of the celebrity that she had. And so, um, 
So yeah, oh, so it was you know, so since she's gone, it's been um, you know, it's obviously it's really sad, and 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 I, when you know things happen, the sad, the day it all really really hit me, was the day that um, uh, Ray Zellweger showed up that new face. Mm-hmm. In, in uh in October. Yeah, John had been gone for a month at that point. And Renee uh, Renee went to that event with the new face and yes. I saw it and I grabbed my phone and I realized I was grabbing my phone to call Joan. Because yeah. I knew that Joan Renee would laugh and she would want jokes on it and that she would do mm-hmm. Access Hollywood oh, and T M Z and she would you know, that day mm-hmm. she would, and and then that's when I really realized that she was just gone forever and I was never gonna and I spent that entire day I was on vacation in Mexico and I spent that whole day in bed in the hotel with the covers over my head just crying because that was yeah. the day that was super real to me that I was gonna yeah. call her up and laugh about whatever. You know, and so um so yeah, so you know, they they brought fashion police back and that's so many of my friends that I worked with for you know, four and a half years are back on the show, and and I'm I've worked on a couple of pilots. There's a new show with RuPaul coming out um, that I worked on, and so I'm just working with Ru um, on that, which is going to be so much fun. So be looking for that. It's going to be on E. Um, and there's another show on TLC that I, uh, you know, they asked me to come and see if I could help make it funnier when they were shooting the pilot and it went great. I really enjoyed it. So I'm also going to be working on that show. So I have a couple of things, you know, coming up and, um, which is good because I like my house and I would like to be able to keep it. Um, so, you know, I've got work, but, um, so yeah, so it's been, it's been fun to work on, you know, some new projects and just stuff that, you know, isn't stuff that, Joan would have done. You know what I mean? Like, I've just tried to do stuff mm-hmm. that's a little different because I don't want to write fashion jokes about dresses um, anymore because I did it for the best and there's no thrill like hearing Joan Rivers say your joke and then right. crack herself up when she's doing it because she just thinks it's that funny. And You know what I mean? Yeah. So it's like you kind of just have to move on to something different because you're never going right. to ever be better than that. I understand. Mm-hmm. What is your, if you could pick one dream writing gig, what would it be? Um, well, you know, I mean, I really, I really love doing the stand-up. And I really want to push my performing more. Um, mm-hmm. So, you know, I want to do, I want to do a show that is like, that is for comedians, and it's like a Chelsea Handler roundtable, but talking about everything that happened that week. And, like, here's all the yeah. stuff that matters. And sort of like a best week ever, um, but all together. And having a conversation like Fashion Place was, but not mm-hmm. not fashion-based. You know, just everything in pop yeah. culture and the news and politics. Uh, because, you know, people don't really read the newspaper anymore. But no, there is don't. a lot of stuff that's happening in the world that is important for people to know about. And I think you can mm-hmm. talk about it in a fun, mm-hmm. funny way, but that isn't like, you know, the Today Show where, you know, they, people aren't really paying attention. So right. it's like, they talk to you like you're an idiot. 
Um, mm-hmm. So, you know, that's really sort of like my dream for right now. Um, you know, when I have a couple of the shows that I've, you know, created that I'm starting to pitch around town, and it'd be fun to to sell a show and get to, you know, be in charge. Uh, so, yeah, so that's sort of where, where I'm at right now. I did want to make a comment. You know, I kind of feel like Chelsea Handler has has always been sort of in the Joan Rivers kind of era where people are either deathly afraid of her or love her because they're afraid of her. Because just like Joan, she will rip you apart. And it's not about your fashion. She'll rip you really? apart, like, to your core. And I love I just think, I love her, too. Oh, I would love for you yeah. to be on that show. Like, that would be amazing. I'm but, um, so sad that that show went away. I was such a huge fan oh, of Chelsea too. lately. And I'm so excited to see what she does on, on Netflix. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. I, like, I like that Chelsea, she knows what she wants to do and what she doesn't want to do. Mm-hmm. And she's mm-hmm. not doing stuff that she doesn't want to do. And I really respect that. Right. There's a lot of people in show business that will just take the check and act like they like being on some show because they're getting paid a buck right. of money. And, you know, and she doesn't kiss I'm, ass sure, I'm sure Eve mm-hmm. was willing to just back the money truck up to Chelsea's house to keep Chelsea mm-hmm. lately on the air. You know what I mean? I, I'm sure I don't know that, but I'm sure that they wanted the show to stay. And she just was, like, ready to do something new. And I, I really admire her for moving on, making it happen. Right. And also, I just think it's cool that she gave so many hilarious people their break, you know? I mean, yeah. I think Jen Kirkman, Jen Kirkman's amazing. Whitney Cummings. Mm-hmm. Uh, Josh <laughs> Wolf. He's so Oh, my God, I love Sorry. Josh Wolf. Oh. And, and John Caparillo. And, yeah. you know, just Jiffy. all that, that whole, that, yes, that Chelsea gang you know, mm-hmm. we're just Lonnie Love. I mean, you know, a lot of these mm. people. Oh, she's hilarious. Yes. And, I love you know, that was banter. really a lot of comics don't ever want anyone else around them to be funny. And what I loved mm-hmm. about Joan, what I also really love about Chelsea is she loved when other people were funny. She laughed harder than anyone. Mm-hmm. She did. So, she really you know, did. That's, that's a cool thing that Chelsea did. And, and Joan was always so generous. Anytime any, you know, comics would, you know, come up. And, and she, like I said, she was such a fan of so many comics, you know, working today. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and she would always go to their show and buy a ticket full price. She's like, I don't want, wow. I live in a very nice house. I can buy a ticket. You don't need to be giving me anything for free. Like, she was cool. Joan was just fucking cool. Wow. That's so, it's so good to hear the other side because everybody sees just one side now. I, for me, the reason why I fell in love with Joan is because when I started watching her as a kid, I don't even know why my mother let me watch the show. That's the funny part. Right. But when I was watching her talk show, I always saw her as like a mothering type of person where the guest would feel comfortable revealing stuff to her. So I always totally. felt like I, I want to meet her one day and tell her how much she's changed my life. And so when she was on Fashion Police and when she was on the red carpet, you saw a different side of her. But I said, no, there's no, she's still the mom that I, I, I really love. 
So I'm not going to yeah. lose that image of her. So it's good to hear that I was right. <laughs> you know what I mean? She was like that off stage. So it's really cool. Yeah, she was just all heart. You know, she was so mm-hmm. sensitive. You know, she really, she was not this tough as male uh, person that she tried so hard to be. She really, mm-hmm. she got her feelings hurt by things. And she felt, whenever she found out that someone uh, had their feelings hurt by a joke, they got sent the most gigantic bouquet of flowers from her with a handwritten wow. note saying, I just want you to know, I am so truly sorry that that hurt your feelings. And I will not joke about you again. You know, and I mean, I knew that to be fact. I could could say, I'm not going to say the name of this celebrity, but it was, you know, mm-hmm. a celebrity that we need to joke about. And Joan got a call from the publicist. We got a call at Fashion Place from the publicist saying, wow, that was really, that really upset our client. That really hurt her feelings. And Joan, you know, when we told Joan about it, she sent a giant arrangement, handwritten note. And I just, you know, woman to woman, I just want to tell you, I'm, um, we're doing that joke again, and I apologize, and and I, I didn't mean to hurt your feelings, and so that's wow. Cool. Yeah, did not know that. Did not know that at all. Holy mother! Yeah, that's there amazing. was a lot of people. You know, people were like, "You show so mean. You're bullying these people." And I would say, well, first of all, they're millionaires in a borrowed dress. Right. So we're bullying, we're bullying them about the way they looked for three hours of their night. I, I don't really think anyone's going to have to go into therapy. I don't think they're crying <laughs> in their mansion. You know what I mean? Because yeah. of Joan doing some joke that said, you look like a hooker fucked stewardess. You know what I mean? Like, it's, it's really pretty ridiculous. Um, yeah. But, you know, sometimes, yeah, sometimes there were some of those jokes and I'd be like, oh, shit, that one's going to sting. If someone said that about yeah. me, I, you know, but I also go, you don't get to be Madonna and be famous for 30 years without growing a thick enough skin that you mm-hmm. can handle a comic doing a joke about you being an old lady with a dry vagina and who likes to fuck young Mexicans. You know what I mean? Like, right, right, come on. I'm right. pretty sure Madonna can handle it. Yeah, I think so, she can. Either that or she just doesn't care. You know what I mean? Right. Now, I did want to ask another question. Who came up with the, um, like, make it, um, like, the um, bitch stole my look? And um, Because, you know, the funny part is, as much as people say, you know, when she was like, oh, I can't see in Joan Rivers, they were stealing stuff from your show. Bitch stole my look. Oh, yeah. In every magazine, on every fashion show, um, Streetwalker or Starlet. Um, yeah. The other ones that I really like was, um, what was it called? Like where you make it or, or keep it or gotta have can't it remember the stop. exact. Yes, that's it, that's it. Who came up with those things? Was that you guys collectively? Was that your idea? Yeah, yeah that's that's the, you know, the the producers of the television show okay. are the ones that come up with all the games <laughs> and segments. Um, and um, and so, you know, we had a lot of fun doing those. I loved when we would do Wheel of Fash Hole. Um, we mm-hmm. always do that like like a couple times a year. That was like a special event. And, and 
you know, at the end we had the, that game spit it out where they had the dry erase boards and they just had to write down their first thought on these pictures. Mm-hmm. So they had to be like short jokes. I don't know. We, yes, it was super, super fun. Guess me from behind, you know, all that stuff. Um, <laughs> yes, and it's guess hugely flattering when you would, you know, I mean, shoot, there's a show on Bravo called Fashion Queen. And you can't tell me that show would exist if Fashion Police with Joan Rivers hadn't been such a hit. But right. I've got nothing but love for them. Let me tell you something. I watch every Sunday night. Bevy Smith is my Twitter girlfriend. I tweet her every week. <laughs> and she tweets back. And, you know, I love Lawrence Washington and Derek J. Like, so there's, I'm not mad at them. But right. they would tell you as much as I am that that show wouldn't exist. Joan hadn't made Fashion Police such a phenomenon. So, right. but, you know, there's room for everybody. Um, exactly. And, and you know, exactly. Joan, you know, loved it. I remember bringing, you know, a DVD of Fashion Queens over and making Joan watch it. That's so awesome. It was fun. Yeah, she was like, oh, my God, they're stealing. They're, like, really just stealing our show. And I was like, yeah. And she goes, oh, I am so honored. Like, she was so thrilled. <laughs> That's amazing. Well, we have about 15 minutes left. Um, I like to ask any, like, final words. Um, do you have anything? We talked about a lot, and I'm just, like, my mind is blown, not just, you know, because of the fact that, you know, you're talking about Joan, but to be honest with you, you and I have talked online for quite a bit. And so to find out more about you, to find out more about you personally has been just amazing. It's just been amazing. You're so so sweet. Well, thanks. I I mean, I I hope that that your listeners, I hope, uh, will, you know, follow me on Twitter and Instagram. It's super easy. It's just at Tony Crippoli. Um, and I'm, um, you know, real dirty and real hateful, but, you know, and, you and heard me, so you know, I'm just kidding. It's just joke. Um, and, um, yeah, so, you know, let me know, get in touch. If you have any questions about Jones, so, you know, shoot me an email or something. I'll answer. There was a, a I tweeted today a picture and it was really <laughs> one of La- Jones last photo shoots. It was, gosh, it was maybe six weeks before she passed. She did a photo shoot. Mm-hmm. I feel like it was for V Magazine. I'm not sure if that's right. Mm-hmm. But, and she had uh, diamond bracelets from her wrist to her elbows on both hands. Both arms. Oh and it was a black and white photo close up where she was leaning forward on the table on her elbows. And her head was like resting in her hands. And then it was just diamond. Mm-hmm. And, oh, um, my God. And they were real diamonds. And so there was a guard there. And the guard was barely out of frame. He was just two feet away from her. And mm-hmm. someone tweeted the picture today, and I tweeted back at them, this was one of Joan's favorite pictures. She loved doing this photo shoot. And those are real diamonds. And there's a guard just outside of that frame that was, you know, never more than two feet away from her the entire day. Like, you know, and the person was like, oh, my God, that's so cool to have the story behind it. So, you know, yeah. I'm happy. I love talking about her. In fact, I'm going to, um, for Valentine's Day, I'm uh, hosting an event in New Orleans. It's the Armitas Crew 
Ball. It's a formal gala that this gay organization does the weekend before Mardi Gras every year. And mm-hmm. for the past uh, 10 years, I believe Bianca Del Rio has hosted, who I love and who I'm a friend of and a huge fan of. Um, and but Bianca is doing her tour right now and couldn't do it this year. So they asked if I would come. So I'm just filling in for Bianca. Um, but mm. it's in New Orleans, and I've never been in New Orleans before. Jones Psychic oh. uh, is a woman named Sally Ann Glassman. And Joan had had readings with Sally for 25 years, and they've become really close friends. And Joan was always calling Sally and running things by her and getting readings. And whenever uh, she would go to New Orleans, she would go to Sally Ann's store and buy candles and soaps and things that, you know, were supposed to attract love and money and stuff. And at one point uh, a year ago, my dog got very sick. And mm-hmm. Joan had Sally Ann send me some soaps and some candles. And I had to give my dog a bath with this special soap that was healing. You know, it was very thoughtful of Joan. And so I, uh, I found Sally Ann online and called her store, and she answered the phone. And I said, I, you know, my name is Tony, and I work with Joan. And she was like, I know who you are, the writer. Yeah. You know, and I was like, oh, my God, when my dog got sick, you sent, she was like, yeah, 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 the healing would be better. And so I'm going to go and have a reading with Joan's psychic, Sally Ann, uh, on Valentine's Day. So I'm hoping that we can, you know, get a message from Joan. If there's any oh, psychic absolutely. that Joan would talk to, it's Sally Ann. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. You know, I, agree. I don't have much of a history with psychics, but Joan believed very, very much in ghosts and psychics and has had told me many, many times that when, whenever the time came that she died, I better be ready for her to run my life as a ghost. She planned <laughs> on haunting me. Because she was like, please don't think. You think I'm trying to run your life now? Well, wait till I'm a ghost. I'm going to be in your business so much. So, oh yeah, my so gosh, I, I, I'm awesome. looking forward to that. Well, I can't wait to hear about it because we're definitely going to keep in touch. Of course, of course. And thank you so much for asking me to be on the show. It was such a pleasure. Absolutely. Thank you for coming. And again, guys, if you want to follow him on Twitter, it's Tony, T-O-N-Y. I say Tripolio, but that's not how you pronounce it. Whatever. I like it better. <laughs> It's T R I P O L I, and is and that's Correct. the same handle on Instagram as well. This man is funny, he's talented, and he's gorgeous, like male model gorgeous. Like oh, oh come on. Um, just being nice. honest. Just being honest. So, thank you again for coming on the show. I appreciate it. You made my day. Well, you've made mine. I really appreciate it. I'll talk about going anywhere, anytime. <laughs> All right, well, we you have a wonderful night. I will talk to you later. Sounds good, hon. Bye, uh, everyone. Bye. Still thirsty for more tea? Then check out our upcoming and archived shows right here on our Blog Talk Radio page. And don't forget to follow us on Twitter at The Spilled Tea and on Facebook at Facebook.com slash The Spilled Tea. Thanks for listening to tonight's episode of The Spilled Tea.